Welcome to the Security in Color podcast. I'm your host, Dominique West, and each Tuesday, I will bring you the latest and greatest in cybersecurity news, tips, and career guidance. Let's see what's new for this week. Hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to episode 13 of the Security in Color podcast. As you probably saw from this week's title, today's episode is the wrap-up of the first season of Security in Color. I want to thank each and every one of you (laughs) who have tuned in and listened to these past 13 episodes. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed, if you shared, if you left a comment, engaged with me in any type of way, all that good stuff. If I have not said it enough, I will say it again. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And because of your support this past weekend, we hit 1,000 plays in under four months. I am just overwhelmed with gratitude and I'm super grateful for, you know, just everything that has happened so far with this platform and with this podcast and the community that I am trying to build. I celebrated with a glass of wine that I have been searching for forever. My mom put me on to this wine called Juness and it is so, 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 so good, but it is really hard to find. <laughs> like I've been searching. I went to a couple of different liquor stores. So finally I tracked it down online, you know, a good old Google search and I was able to find it. So that's what I did to celebrate <laughs> for a thousand plays. So thank you. Thank you listeners for my glass of <laughs> of my glass of wine. Um, My updates this week, they're pretty short. You know, our day-to-day is still limited to my neighborhood (laughs) and my house. And with this new time and space, I thought this would just be a great time to wrap this season up, really clarify my efforts and mindset to refocus, get my, you know, my chakras, all my meditation, all that good stuff, get that together. Instead of the, for New Year's, instead of like the typical big grandiose creating goals for the entire year, I broke mine up into quarterly ones. So now we're wrapping up Q1. I need to do a reassessment, see, you know, where I am, where I'm going, what needs to be rolled over. So I've seen, or I should say I checked off, I completed two out of three of my goals you know, I'm giving myself some grace. I'm learning this whole grace thing, this be nicer, be kinder to, you know, myself to Damo kind of thing. And um, I'm still working towards my third. I know I'm going to get it accomplished. I just got lazy. I'm like, to be very honest, I got lazy. <laughs> and I don't know. I think I, I, I was in my head for a little bit. In the beginning, I was in my head for a little bit. But then I got lazy. <laughs> so now I'm like, okay, like, it's 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 time like let's go ahead and get this over with so I can check it off and move on to the next one and like you know really put this over my under my belt so for today's episode today will be a little bit more of a recap rather than a news episode um I wanted to talk about the state of security thus far in q1 things that I've seen the trends that I've seen panning out that will probably continue on for the rest of the year and really confirm if the things that I said in the very first episode, you know, are true. If you've been with me from the beginning, you might have remembered when we launched the podcast. Episode one is about 2020 security trends or future trends. I forget what it's called. 
2020 prediction, something like that. Basically about what we thought was going to happen in security for the 2020 year based off of the data that we saw last year, the trends, the patterns, XYZ, and what everyone can expect for this year. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I highly recommend going back and listening to that episode to understand, you know, what trends, organizations, and security professionals are keeping an eye out for. And so I went back, you know, to the topics we've been discussing over the past 13 weeks to see, you know, what patterns have emerged. And I know it's still pretty early, like most times a lot of this data or this this recap doesn't happen on a quarterly basis. It happens on a yearly basis. Like I think the Verizon Data Beach one, that's a yearly one. I want to say Norton is the only one who I think does, not only one, but the only one that I know of off the top of my head that does quarterly ones. I know there's others. The one that I, re- the research that I have done today, again, wasn't all encompassing. It was just some research that other people who similar to me have been trying to figure out patterns that are happening in the industry now and then like what's going on to figure out what's going to happen later on. So yeah, it's very preliminary. Keep keep that in mind. <laughs> now, of course, one of the biggest predictions that are currently panning out are the never-ending cloud database breaches uh, in you know, data leaks. As of March 24th, there has been 18 major data breaches. Now, keyword major, (laughs) right? Because the information I've seen can, I'm pretty sure that number is higher than 18. Um, And I'm not sure if just the research that I came across were only counting big names. A lot of the names that I'm going to list off are major players in the game, like names that you and I would recognize. So I don't know if they just didn't count smaller ones or if maybe some organizations haven't released their data yet for the, for, um, for to, to be counted. But either way, 18 is still a pretty big, big number for it being March. Um, and unfortunately, like, with a lot of the breaches that are happening, it's it, it's definitely, you can see a pattern in the fact that a lot of the underlying security issues or mishandlings, I should say, are still holding true despite the warnings, despite, you know, the different efforts that a lot of the cloud platforms have done to make sure that people are implementing security correctly. Like a lot of that is still not being taken into consideration when people are rolling things out. So things like this will continue to happen. So if you have been listening for the past couple of weeks, you know we started off the year with restaurant conglomerate laundries announcing a POS or point of sale malware attack that targeted customer payment card data. Now, some other notable mentions this year included Microsoft, which I don't think was actually that long ago, they had a customer support database leak over that had over 280 million records left unprotected, marijuana dispensaries, Estee Lauder, MGM Resorts, Walgreens, Carnival Cruise Lines, J. Crew, T-Mobile, General Electric, and General Electric was just a couple of days ago, actually, like last 
week, if I'm not mistaken, they had a third-party vendor experience a data breach that exposed sensitive information of both current and former employees. And that information included like social security numbers, driver's licenses, bank accounts, passport numbers, you know, dates of birth, all of the information you need in order to commit identity theft. So needless to say, checking your credit should be a normal, I want to say semi-annual, but honestly, it should be a little bit more than semi-annual. But I know that's just because I'll be putting you out of work. I'll be wanting you out of work <laughs> and, and check up on your stuff more often. But to be realistic, like if I'm being realistic to the average user, you should be checking your credit report at least semi-annually for years or at least what was told to me is that I was supposed to be checking my credit report once a year, right? I just need to check, glance over, make sure that things are correct, nothing's out of order. But we live in a society now where data breaches are just the normal thing. They are a way of life. Your information being out there as scary as it is to think about, it is out there, right? It's somewhere underground. It's somewhere in someone's archive, just waiting for the right moment and the right opportunity. So checking your credit report to make sure, one, that there are no discrepancies, and two, that there's no information you aren't aware of is on there is something that you should be doing more often than not to keep yourself protected. Because seeing discrepancies or seeing maybe an account that you haven't opened or an uh, email address or a address that has changed, um, those are indicators that somebody might have access to your information, especially if we're uh, thinking about uh, General Electric where they have their social security numbers, like passport numbers, like all of that good stuff. It's it's overwhelming. Like, I'm, I'm not going to lie about that. It is, it is very overwhelming. But there are a couple of things that you can do to protect yourself. And I just want to make sure that people, you know, know that, that you can take back some of the power that attackers have taken from us. Um, because I am a consumer, um, not just a security professional, you know. I have definitely received the email where a company has said, hey, your email address was in a data breach or your name and physical address within a data breach, like all of it. Like I, I too have had those emails come in. So I just want people to be armed with the knowledge. I'm really big about people having knowledge. Knowledge is power um, to understand how to take back the narrative. Something that I spoke about before, about taking back the narrative of your digital identity and making sure that, you know, you're just taking proper precautions. That's all we can do right now. So I want to make sure you, you you have that information. The second trend I see panning out this quarter are email phishing attacks. Now, phishing is typically always in the top two of attack vectors, and it usually ain't number two. <laughs> so with the pandemic, you know, it's forcing everyone to work from home, and attackers are ramping, and I mean ramping up ways to try and take advantage of you being home, trying to get you to think, click, excuse me, without thinking. And I actually have a personal example of this happened to me last week. So I was on a call, minding my own business. <laughs> 
I was on a call and I received in two emails to one of my personal email accounts from Instagram. Now, the first email was entirely in a foreign language. I immediately pressed delete. I didn't know what this is. I was like, let me, let me just, this ain't for me. Let me delete it. And I didn't think anything of it. A few minutes later, I received another email. This time it said it detected a new login from a phone I don't have or own and that this login happened in Russia. Now, naturally at first, my first instinct, I panicked. I was like, listen, did someone get access to my account? I don't got time. What's happening? How'd you bypass my MFA? Like what, what, what's going on? But then I took a second, I like took a step back and I thought, well, the last email I just received said it was also from Instagram. And was it an email, just, was it a test with a tracker to see if I would open an email so an attacker can, you know, try to follow up with something to make me click? Because you can do that. Like you can send emails. There are programs that allow you to just kind of do test emails and you could put a tracker in it to see who opened it. Like you can do that with so many programs. There's so many trackers and emails. So naturally hackers also take advantage. They want to see emails that they send out or people opening them. Are they clicking? Like, what can I do to get my success rate up? So what I thought was that this last one, the first email that I received was a test with a tracker to see if I opened it. And now that they saw that I opened it, they tried to send me an email that might cause me a little bit panic to click on it, enter my information, and boom, I got got. So after I took a second to think, like, to kind of go through <laughs> down that rabbit hole, then I was like, wait, 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 this email account even it, it isn't even attached to my Instagram in the first place. So like once I understood that, I was like, I, I see what y'all trying to do. I see y'all trying to get me. That's that's not going to happen. Not today. You might try somebody else. I'm, I'm pretty sure they tried somebody else and they got them, but they just weren't going to get me. So instead of deleting, I immediately flagged it first as spam and then I pressed delete forever. And I haven't received another email since. So the spam feature is another key tool that I don't think people use as often as they should. Um, so it's a, it's a feature in Google and other mail applications, and it really helps them understand phishing methods that attackers are trying to use to bypass their algorithms. Because there are ways, like people sit and think about ways to bypass Google's like spam filters. Like they're really good. Google's really good. A lot of other male ones, I don't want to say all of but you know, they're okay. But <laughs> other programs, they're really good. And they have dedicated security teams, email teams who go out and make sure that they're keeping up to date with signatures and, and phishing patterns to kind of detect them before they even hit your inbox. But you know, they're not 100% foolproof and sometimes some things get in. So taking a second, you know, the fact that I took a second to stop and think while even while I was in the middle of a call helped me not fall for a phishing attack because trust me, <laughs> your favorite security woman or man, however you identify yourself, you will get got like it's 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 getting really hard nowadays. <laughs> and no, like I said, no one is foolproof. The Instagram detection, like the fake one that I received was super authentic, like it looked exactly like one that I've seen before, like it, it was really good. And I've done phishing tests across organizations that I worked with before. And it's really easy to kind of, kind of copy the 
um, HTML kind of copy the layout of a website, of a legitimate website, plug it into your program, and then just alter the links to navigate to wherever you need to. So really, really easy. Attackers are getting a, uh, a bit clever, a bit more clever, I should say. And they know everyone is at home, that everyone's on their desktop, that you're probably multitasking, that you're working, <laughs> but you're still browsing. You're on social media. You might be on a phone call. You might be doing, you know, X, Y, Z. And it is prime time to catch someone slipping while they are distracted. So take my advice. Definitely take a second to really look at the emails you receive, whether it's on your personal or work device, before you click and panic. My last observation of this quarter is around election security and my lack of trust that security will be in the forefront of this election cycle year. My trust, you know, it wasn't very high to begin with, but seeing where we are now in the voting faux pas that we saw in Iowa, whatever little I had to begin with is absolutely like gone, absolutely finito. <laughs> and if you aren't aware of what I'm talking about, I'm referring to the Iowa caucus that took place last month that caused the results of the voting to be significantly delayed. The application in question was put together haphazardly, you know, in two months. They didn't go through any major scale testing before being put into production. And that really jeopardized the integrity and availability of the votes and the results and <sighs> possibly where we even stand. Like there were so many discrepancies coming out from the results that I'm honestly really surprised that they didn't force another revote or recount because if you put something in production that isn't giving you, that is giving you three different reports with three different information, especially during a cycle year where we're clearly you see the candidates are like neck and neck and trying to see who can come up or that these results can really, they're, they're telling our future, right? We're in a political climate right now where we don't have the ability and we cannot afford to just not do things correctly at this point, whether or not that's implementing security, making sure that things that we put into production have been validated properly. Like things like that are just such a big red flag to me because we had Russiagate. We already know like what we're up against. We know that there are people within our country and without our country who's just like trying to interfere the powers that may be are trying to do whatever the case may be. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but it just, in my mind, all I thought about was security is clearly not a focus here. You know, it's really about a political statement. And I don't know, it was, a, it was very disheartening to see, but I, that is something that I saw and I don't believe is going to be taken care of or put in the forefront of people's minds until something else happens again, like another Russiagate, because I, I, I don't know. The one good thing I did see out of reading about this and really kind of keeping my eye on election data or election voting and election security and all that kind of good stuff is that California had implemented their own brand new voting machines this year during Super Tuesday. And those went pretty successfully, right? So we don't know, 
or I should say we won't know the security implications of if something had gone wrong. But for the most part, they kind of made a better streamlined process in terms of creating brand new machines that didn't have a lot of the vulnerabilities that were identified. Like last year in DEF CON, there was like a hacking. It wasn't it wasn't a workshop per se. But it, there was an uh, event, let me just say an event for lack of a better term, at DEF CON last year where a social engineer kind of um, hacked into a voting machine, kind of telling about the vulnerabilities that are currently in the, I don't want to say wild, but <laughs> that are currently in place in a lot of our government facilities of where we vote um, that really raised some questions about you know, the integrity and the security of our voting system here in the United States. But again, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because there's a whole lot. That's a whole episode, a whole episode on its own. But I really just want to talk about data uh, security when it, in terms of the election cycle, because we started off really putting that in the forefront, especially when we had more candidates in um in the running about election security, make sure Russiagate doesn't happen, what we're going to do about it, how government, local government is going to address it, how federal government is going to address it. But as we can see, um, that has gone a little bit by the wayside, mainly because, of course, there's a pandemic going on. There's a lot of things going on, but um, that's just something that has been in my mind and it was trying to see how it was going to pan out this year. Uh, we are still pretty early, so maybe that comes back into the forefront of everybody else's mind, but that's just something to think of. So in summary, data breaches and phishing still on a rise 2020, not going anywhere. No indication of slowing down. And election security has a very, very, very long way to go. So let me know what you think. Have you been keeping up with some trends? Have you done some research on your own? Where do you think security is going for the rest of 2020? What can we keep a lookout for? What should be, what should we be aware of? Security and color episodes will be back towards the end of April, early May. Again, just gonna take some time to relax, revamp, come back brand new for you. If you have some suggestions, please feel free to leave them to for me, excuse me, by clicking the link to our listener survey in the episode description, or you can send me an email at dominique at securityandcolor.com. Dominique is D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E. Uh, I won't be disappearing altogether. I'm still sending out my bi-weekly newsletter. If you don't know, now you know that every two weeks I send out a newsletter to my audience that has a bunch of resources, it has um, job openings, cyber and cloud security kind of resources and trainings that I see happening, any free resources I see, cyber events taking place virtually, just kind of like a one-stop jam-packed newsletter <laughs> for those newbies or, you know, already in the industry alike who are just looking for a way to find resources Sometimes it could be a little bit difficult. Even myself, when I'm looking for resources, I got to look at a whole bunch of a thousand different places. I'm trying to simplify that process, put it in one email. So whenever I see things on LinkedIn, on Twitter, not really on Facebook, but <laughs> on different sites um, or people I know in the industry who are posting stuff, who are doing free 
maybe webinars or something in case maybe I kind of put that in a newsletter and I send that out every two weeks. So if you're interested, make sure you subscribe. I will put that link also in the description. Um, next one's going out this Friday. Yeah, this Friday. And I'm always on Twitter and LinkedIn. So you could definitely find me there. If you want to stay engaged at Dami Boo, all of this, again, all this information will be in the description box. So thank you so much for listening and I will see you in a bit. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode. Please consider leaving a rating or comment in Apple Podcasts. And for more information, go to our website at www.securityandcolor.com. Be sure to engage with me on social media or write me to be a part of future episodes. Take care.